Hey there. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to quickly introduce you to the Art Is Podcast's new partner, Artmo. Artmo is a community-centered marketplace where any artist can sell their work and any art lover can buy art commission-free. What's really cool about Artmo is it's the first platform of its kind that lets you sell both physical art and NFTs in one place. They're bridging the traditional art world and the Web3 universe, and I'm super excited about it. The best part? You can turn any of your physical or digital artworks into an NFT on their platform, adding provenance, security, and authentication to your piece. NFTs can be a bit tricky to understand and create, but thanks to Artmo's dedicated team, it's become so much easier. And that's not all. Artmo is not just a marketplace, but also a media platform where creatives can connect, network, and join open forums and discussion groups. It's a great place to engage with fellow artists and art enthusiasts. Also, it's totally free for artists to sign up, and there's no long application process or gatekeeping involved. So what are you waiting for? Join the Artmo community now and head over to Artmo's website to sign up and start sharing and selling your work. Go to artmo.com, A-R-T-M-O dot com, or check out the show notes of this episode to learn more. Hello, and welcome back to season five of the Art Is podcast, a podcast for artists. This is your co-host, Lauren Hill. As part of the fifth season, we wanted to include other conversations with experts dealing with topics that we feel are top of mind for emerging artists. Today's episode is a solo interview that I recorded with financial coach Ryan Roy. It's a great continuation of the conversation that Izada and I were having last week around our not-so-comfortable topic of money and our fixation with finances. Ryan is a tattoo artist turned financial coach. He lives in New York City and helps artists and creatives transform their relationship with money. In this conversation, we shine a light on what it's like to have a more loving and enjoyable relationship with money, and Ryan shares the details of how he transformed his own relationship with money. We also discuss very practical topics like the profit first method and how Ryan allocates money for bills, having multiple bank accounts and how to organize them, as well as using credit versus debit. I know you'll get a lot out of this episode, and I really hope you enjoy this coach-to-coach -coach conversation all about de-stigmatizing finances for artists with Ryan Roy. This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have Ryan Roy here today. Ryan is a tattoo artist turned financial coach, and he yes. really helps artists, freelancers, and really anyone who doesn't want to talk to the about money with some bro in a blazer transform their relationship with money. So thank you, Ryan, for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you about is the idea of having a relationship with money. So, yeah. you know, you, you say that you transform, you help people transform their relationship with money. So what does that mean to you as far as like having a relationship with money? Yeah. Um, I usually will ask people, uh, like I do these free consultations and I'll ask them like, 
if you and money pretend you were in an intimate relationship with money, how would you describe that relationship? Like pretend money's a person. What does that look like? Or do you, are you paying attention to your partner? Are you loving your partner? Are you comfortable? Are you at ease? Or are you like kind of tense? Are you avoidant? Are you, you know, like, what does that look like? If you pretended that money was a person, um, how would you describe that relationship that you're in? And, you know, are you angry with money? Are you resentful? Um, Because then you start to see like that reflects your entire, uh, you know, experience of money. So if, if you and money don't have a really good relationship, money probably doesn't want to stay in your life as much as you, you know, if if that was a person, they wouldn't want to hang around you very much, you know? So that's kind of how I start that conversation. And then just really looking, diving deeper into um, the inherited ways of being belief systems around money that we, you know, got downloaded from our parents or mentors or, or just, you know, society in general. Um, It's pretty clear that society has a pretty unhealthy relationship with money as a whole. And we just naturally um, in- inherit that. It's not like um, we didn't we didn't choose the relationship we have with money. We really didn't inherit it. And so a lot of the work I do is about what what relationship would you choose to have with money if you could have any relationship at all? And then let's start to cultivate that. And yeah, that's that's how I go about it. Yeah, I love that. And just even thinking about like, okay, what if I was like more of like a motherly figure in my relationship with money? And like, you know, how would I want to have a relationship with my children, you know, and, and allow them to grow. And like, you know, just that concept has changed has like opened up so much for me and seeing that like, oh, there is a way that I'm being here. And like, how can I shift that to shift, you know, the the balance or healthiness within that area um i I really love that so i I like to think of myself and my relationship with money as uh like i'm an artist with money i am using money it's the medium that i can use to paint and create the life that i want to live and um when like any artist like i have times where i'm like in flow in that flow state And I have times where I have like creative block and like that energy feels blocked. And it's a part of being an artist. It's not like artists aren't people that are infinitely creative all the time without any problems or blockages, but they kind of, you know, at least in my creative life and and profession, when I run into those blocks, those things, I often try to bring play or looseness or lightness, or I go for a walk. And sometimes that's also how I deal with money when I feel like I'm stressed out or because I get stressed about money too, even as a financial coach. Um, But it's the way I deal with it when those things arise. Sometimes I think about that too, because, you know, being an artist and like feeling blocked sometimes, like how can you tap into that flow again? And I've, I haven't really, you know, thought about that idea of using the same tools that I use for like creativity to unblock my money flow too, you know, which is leaning into joy and play and like curiosity and, and bringing that lightness to it really that you're, you're speaking about. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I, uh, 
Are you familiar with the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? Yeah. So, so like so much of that book is about becoming unblocked creatively and, and, you know, being playful, inviting in that lightness, because that, that space is an open channel for anything to manifest, right? It's when we're tight and we're trying to force something or control something um, that the, the unmanifested cannot manifest because we're too busy trying to control it. And I often give my clients like the same advice, like if they're like, oh yeah, you know, I've been marketing because we do some marketing coaching and some money management coaching and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all the things and they're really just in it and it's tight. And I say, when's the last time you did something just for the fun of it? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, write down a list of 20 things that are fun that you enjoy doing and go do one of those things this week. And that's the business coaching I give them. and it, it, it works. It really, really works really well. And then I was meeting, I work with a, a manifestation coach um, that guides me in my meditative practice, my journaling practice. Um, and, and we were dealing with some financial stuff in my company. Uh, we, you know, just moving money around and investing and things, and we're trying to solve some problems. And, uh, and he said, when's the last time you went around and just like had a good time? And I was like, oh, right. That's, the same coaching I give people, but that's why I like working with coaches. Cause even as a coach, we need to have, like, we all have a blind spot, every one of us. Right. And it's working with that coach that helps us see our blind spot when we ourselves cannot see it. Yeah. Especially as you keep up leveling too. It's like, you get to a point where you're like, you're so in it again. And you, you forget the things that you learned at the last level almost because there's been so much success and then yeah. you have to like you're you're confronted with these new issues and then you have to relearn like remember the tools again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about how you transformed your own relationship with money and like what that used to look like to what it looks like now? Yeah, um well, I used to be one of those people that barely ever checks their bank account. I just didn't want to look at it. And, and I just kind of thought that money was evil. It was evil capitalism. Um, and I, you know, uh, either I mostly just wanted to avoid it altogether, but I also like wanted more of it to be happy. I wanted to be able to buy a house. I wanted to be able to like retire one day and, and, you know, not feel stressed around money, but it was in that kind of like hating money, avoiding money, um, relationship. And, it, and, it wasn't working for me. And, and I was actually in a coaching program years ago. And the, the coach said, you know, how's that working for you? That money is the root of all evil and uh, you need more of it to be happy. And I said, it sucks. It's not a fun relationship to have with money. And he said, well, you know, let's create something new. And um, I, that's when I started to look at money as just a flow of energy, right? And, and energy isn't good or bad. It just is. It's just energy. So I, I didn't, I could no longer project my judgment uh, on money because money is just a flow of energy, right? And so if money is just a flow of energy and it's flowing around us and it flows to me and it flows away from me, then my only job is not to make, I'm not, my job is not to make money or create money, right? Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. My job is not to make money, create money. I don't need to find money, none of that. My only job is to not block the flow and to open my channel and allow money to flow into and through my life. And when I'm 
approaching money from that perspective, it is a completely different playing field than the playing field I was on. And all of a sudden, I could be with money. I didn't have to be afraid to look at my accounts. It sort of became like a game. It was like, okay, well, let's, if, if this flow, if I want to get it to flow, right? Uh, let me pay attention to it rather than resist it. Anything you resist, you know, is going to be stuck and stagnant. And um, as my dad said, anything you resist persists. So if I, you know, resist money problems, if I resist, uh, you know, connecting with money, uh, then I will continue to have uh, an unhealthy, unconnected relationship with money. So that was kind of like the start of it. Um, I definitely read some books that were really helpful. Um, the Richest Man in Babylon was probably the first book on money that I ever read. Um, it did that book did not age well. I will say, like in 2023, like it was written over 100 years ago. Probably needs an update. Um, but the the fundamentals of like what it has to teach are really really good. And um, you know, from there, I just sort of. I, I, you know, I, I started a business, a very small private tattoo studio, and I just realized that like, I need to get on top of like taxes and saving for retirement. And all I wanted to do was tattoos. I didn't really want to think about the money stuff that much. Um, but I'd already been kind of on this money journey. And so I said, well, let me just get good at it. And that's when I started building automated systems for managing money for me. Cause I was like, if I don't want to deal with it, and ultimately, I'm not even the greatest person to be managing my own money, right? I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I'm busy. Now I have a family. Now I have multiple businesses. Like, I need automated systems that manage most of my money for me. And that was a really big game changer when I started to automate, you know, 20%, 30%, 50%, 70% of every dollar that comes into my life gets told what to do by my automated system so that I don't, I'm not in charge of telling it what to do. And I found that to be um, like the best way for, especially for creative people or anyone that doesn't want to like be, um, you know, in the nitty gritty spreadsheets all the time. Cause I, I don't want to live my life inside a spreadsheet. You know, I want to live my life and, and have my money support the life that I want to live. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about that automated system? Like this, specifics of what that looks like you know is it something that where you have you know that you have a certain amount of money coming in per month and then on this date and this date you do something with it and like with, tell us a little bit more about what yeah that so like. there's no like special software or anything we we are looking at working with some softwares that um, could help sort of create a better visual picture of, of how money's being managed. But uh, right now there's no special software that we use. It's, it's just your actual bank account can transfer money within it. And so um, I open up multiple bank accounts. I even use multiple banks uh, to, you know, some bank accounts, each bank account has a very particular purpose. Uh, some of them are for using and spending money and some of them are for storing money. Some of them are for, some of them are not bank accounts, they're investment accounts. And so I kind of lay out like, okay, these are the accounts. These are the areas of my life that I want to prioritize. And then, you know, being a freelancer, I don't know how much money I'm going to make every month, but I have an idea. I have an average. And I've actually found that because you can't, for the most part, there's some, for the most part, you can't really automate like by percentage. You can, uh, I think with like one, anyway, 
I, I never really did it that way. And I found that I found an average and I started um, basing my automatic transfers for living expenses. So like things like living expenses, for instance, it doesn't even matter how much money you make. You're going to pay your rent and your bills. You're probably going to subscribe to Netflix or whatever you subscribe to, right? Those are like the base things. So I have a whole separate account that just deals with that. Um, and by slowly building these automations, I don't do it all at once. If I did it all at once, it wouldn't have worked. And, and when I teach it to people, we don't have them set everything into motion all at once. We have them do one part of the system, get comfortable with that, do the next part of the system, the next part of the system. And then uh, you kind of grow into automating a larger portion of your income. So no one should try to go from 0% automation to 70%. It's more of a gradual type of thing. Um, yeah, I hope that explanation helps. I mean, it it is something that, you know, usually takes people somewhere between like four and eight weeks with a lot of handholding and guidance from me and my team to fully implement. But I, I'm trying to do my best to explain it in a way that um, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because before I was, I had learned more about finances. I was really afraid to open multiple bank accounts. Cause I was like, oh, you know, is this, this is just going to confuse things like this is, I'm going to end up spending more or like, can you even have multiple bank accounts? Like I just, I had such a fear around it. Cause I didn't know, like, I didn't know you could use it to your benefit. And like, most people don't know that. And no one teaches us this stuff. I mean, I was never taught this stuff. I had to like dig and out of frustration, like sort of create my own system. I actually like feel like I kind of Jimmy rigged two different systems that I've read about together into what I call the money, the waterfall money system. And it's, it's really about prioritizing money. And I, I find that this particular system works really well for people on an irregular income, whereas other systems might work better uh, for people that have just like straight salary. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it every person's a little bit unique in general. So you're always going to even adapt my system to your unique situation. Yeah. So how many bank accounts do you have? Do you know? Um, I have... I have some accounts that I opened that I used for a period of time and then I stopped using. So they're, they're, they're there and maybe there's some money in them. I'll just like kind of let it grow interest. Um, but I probably have like, I could look at my app. I probably have like five or six active savings accounts for various areas of my life. Uh, emergency savings is one of them. Uh, travel, um, buying a house, you know, I, I, and I separate that I have, I have one for taxes. Um, and then I have a business account. Actually, I have two business, actually I have three business accounts. I have two businesses and three accounts. And that third account just helps hold money, uh, that will eventually be dispersed either through payroll or, um, you know, paying myself. Um, and then I have two personal accounts, and it, I know it sounds like really complicated, but I only need to look at three of those accounts because two of the business accounts kind of just do their own thing automatically. They take care of bills. They separate money. One of the accounts I deal with regularly, and then I have the two personal accounts. And those are the only three accounts that I actually need to focus on. The rest of the accounts just do their own thing, and I don't need to like be looking at them all the time. So I, I hope that like makes sense as to like, it could seem complicated, but once you actually realize that I'm not actively dealing with all these accounts on a regular basis, 
it's not it's not that bad yeah and it sounds like you know specifically what they're for and so because of that it's just it creates more ease like it's more of like a labeling system too yeah and and ultimately it really helps me understand how i can spend um if all my money was just sitting in one account i would have no idea what portion of that is supposed to be for this area or that area um and so by separating it and i i've talked to people that they're like i don't even make enough money to separate my money and i would argue that you do um i don't care if you have twenty dollars not all of those dollars have the same job in your life and um, just giving them a specific purpose and slowly getting used to it in that way. Cause when I started this, I, I was probably, you know, netting maybe 50 K a year um, after business expenses and everything like that. Um, and it, it helped me save money. It helped me grow, you know, grow my savings, you know, pretty steadily. And I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to be able to do, I didn't, I wasn't doing it aggressively in the beginning. I was just like slowly implementing it, but I find it's that slow and steady approach that always wins the race. The problem I kept running into is that I would try to save too much money at once and then I would feel constrained and then I would dip back into the honeypot and it would, there was no clear separation as to what was savings, when I could touch my savings and uh, I, I call that kind of like binge saving mm -hmm. and it's binge saving works as well as binge dieting. Let's put it that way, which is not very well. Very true. Gotta yeah. give yourself some, some fun every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And just like dieting, like I lost some weight recently. I lost like almost 20 pounds in the past couple of months. And it wasn't because I like did some extreme strong diet. It was like lots of small little changes that I implemented into my life that built a more sustainable way of dealing with food. It's the same thing with money. Yeah. So I've been learning about the profit first method recently, which is like you pay yourself first. Yeah. You keep your expenses like low, like making sure that you can pay yourself first so that you can grow your profit. So is that something that you kind of, you know, yeah. Use yeah, that's a, a big part of the system um, is, and and you need to clarify what you mean by pay yourself first, right? Because if you have a, a business bank account and then you put money from business into personal, that's not paying yourself first, right? The, the profit first system is basically saying that when money comes into your personal checking account, right? Some of that money's for rent, some of that money's for groceries, some of it's for utilities and clothes, and all this stuff. And so you've paid your landlord and the grocery store and the clothing store and the subscriptions. You've paid everyone else. But what portion of that money are you actually keeping for you, for yourself, for the future? And so you can't look at, uh, so like for freelance, you know, self-employed people, small business owners, money that comes into your bank account, that's not your money, okay? Money that comes into your personal checking account, that is also not your money. That's money that's going to leave your life. It's going to go somewhere else. The only money that is your money that in the pay yourself first method or model looks at as your money is money that you put into the savings account and you leave there and you don't touch or you put into the investment account and you leave there or the retirement account and you leave there and you don't touch that portion. So the, the one number that I find pretty much every single person and I've met with over a thousand artists I've had consultations with in the past couple of years. 
not one of them knew the percentage of their income that they're actually saving and accumulating for the future. And I help them figure that out on the consultation. We get a rough idea. Um, but that number, you know, everyone's like, where do I invest my money? How do I see a higher return? Da, 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 da. And it's like, I don't care because all I care about is what percentage of your money are you actually keeping, saving, and accumulating for the future? Because then you could channel that money into an investment account. But if you, you know, if an average investment account sees an eight to 10% return, right? Uh, and you can only save 2% of your income, that doesn't really help you. I don't care if the retire if the account sees a 20% return, if you're only saving 2% of your income. But if you're saving 20% or 30% of your income and you're only seeing an eight to 10% return, well, that's great. You know, that's it doesn't matter. You don't need to go for those riskier returns. You can go for the uh the steady eddy approach to investing and it's a safer, more long-term perspective. Yeah. So good. And how do you like, how do you personally use credit cards versus debit or cash? Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of schools of thought in financial coaching and, and there's probably people that this is like totally appropriate for uh, to avoid credit cards altogether. That was never my approach. Um, I didn't really have a credit card until I was like in my mid twenties. Um, around the time I started getting interested in money and realizing that like, I don't have bad credit. I just have no credit and I probably should start to build that credit. Um, that's when I got a credit card. I think, I think my parents built a healthy fear of credit cards in me. Um, just, just because they told me like, don't, don't, don't get into debt. You know, that was like a really, um, thing. The only, the only financial lesson they instilled in me. So I was really grateful for that. But, um, I, what was I going to say? Oh, that I, I, I view debt as a power tool. I, I view it's leverage, right? Uh, you know, Archimedes said, if you give me a, a lever long enough and a place to stand, I can move the world. That's what leverage is. So you can leverage debt. You can basically get tax-free dollars and then invest it into your business, grow your business, increase your income, and then pay back the debt. So that's, in my opinion, the only way that debt should be used besides like using debt to buy an asset like a house or something like that. But um, so I, I use debt to invest in my business. Beyond that, I use a credit card for personal uh, purchases just for the points, but I pay it off in full every month. I don't, I don't let that incur any interest. Um, I only, I, I've been using debt for years for my business, but I only recently started to allow some of the debt that we, uh, take on to incur interest only because the interest we were incurring is lower than the return on investing in the business over a period of time. And so only when I've gotten to that point where I could really clearly see like, okay, if we're paying four or $500 a month in interest on tens of thousands of dollars of business debt, but the business debt is allowing us to grow our business you know, by tens of thousands of dollars every month, then it's essentially worth the few hundred bucks that we pay in interest. Yeah. And I heard you talk about on another podcast that you'd recently like looked at how much you've invested into coaching. Do you know that number? Yeah. I mean, in, um, in 2022, it was like $73,000 that I, wow. I invested and it's a tax write-off, you know, it's continuing education. So I don't pay taxes on that $73,000, which is great. That's what I love about in investing in yourself is if you, if you invest in the stock market, 
you still have to pay taxes on the money that you put in unless you put it in like uh, a traditional IRA, in which case you'll pay tax on it later, right? But if you invest in yourself, if you invest in education programs, business coaching, life coaching, um, you can write that off as a business expense. And then you don't ever have to pay taxes on that money. And then you see a return on that investment by growing your business. Um, obviously, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of programs out there that are not worth the juice ain't worth the squeeze, you know? Uh, so you do have to be knowledgeable about the people that you choose to invest your money in. You, you're always taking a risk, always when you invest, but you, you, you need to take a risk in order to see that reward. And I think something that people don't consider is that by not investing in yourself and not investing in your business, you're also taking a risk. And it's the, the opportunity risk of only relying on yourself and your own knowledge to grow your business, in my opinion, is far riskier than paying someone that has a proven track record of how to grow businesses and um, you know build you know better financial models or whatever it is. If I'm looking for investing advice or um, financial advice, um, that it, it's far riskier, in my opinion, to not hire someone than to try you know to 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 do it all on your own. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it's the same thing that goes where I saw that uh, congratulations, 10 years sobriety. Yeah, yeah. This past week was 10 years of sobriety. So good. I'm at nine years, so I'm I'm almost there with you. <laughs> You're and, catching uh, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the same thing goes there too, you know, the support. Like you can't the it's like so often I think we can, we need to do things on our own. We need to do, we need to yeah. figure this out. And it's like, if that was such a life-changing moment for me of really realizing that I needed to get help with something that I didn't, I couldn't understand. I couldn't yeah. figure out. And I feel like, like that comes with so many other places in your life too, whether it comes to like wanting to lose weight or wanting to get healthier with food or like wanting to you know, get more muscular or wanting to become better at a skill or with your finances, you know, and it's so many different things. It's like, there's so much help out there. And it, you know, it, it just, it does sometimes take an investment, it takes an investment of time and uh, a lot of times money too, but like, you know, what's the trade-off you spend your money on like new clothes that, you know, make you feel good for like the first couple of times you wear them and then it's over. At the end of the day, all growth, all growth that you seek in your life requires that you invest either time, money, energy, or all three. And often you can trade one for the other. So if you don't want to invest the money, then you're going to invest the time and the energy, right? Or if you don't want to invest the energy, you're definitely going to have to invest a lot more time. Uh, sorry, and a lot more, a lot more money. Uh, usually, if you want to reduce the amount of energy you invest in something, it's gonna pay, you're gonna pay a premium to do that, right? Um, so I find the the best way to you know in, invest is you know what are the things that are gonna involve some of my time and energy, but that I could pay to uh, maximize the output of time and energy that I put into whatever the endeavor is. So that's, that's usually, you know, you, you either, but at the end of the day, you're either going to pay in time and mistakes, right? Making your own mistakes, taking more time to do it, learning from those mistakes, or you're going to pay in money, pay someone who's already made the mistakes, already spent the time and the energy and, 
you know, I, I can help clients build a money system in four to eight weeks that took me about six years to figure out on my own. So it costs me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of trial and error and mistakes and lost energy, mismanaged money over many years to figure this out. And for a few thousand bucks, you know, we can work together and help you build those systems that will consistently save you money for the rest of your life. Yeah. And tell people where they can find you, where they can find that program. Um, the best way to get in touch with me is really on Instagram. I'm really active uh, through there. I've just tried to make it super easy for people to contact and speak with me. So if you message me, I'm very active on there. I will respond back to you. Um, if you have questions or anything like that, we can just chat on there. If it seems appropriate and you want to hop on a call with either myself or someone on my team, um, we do, I don't know, somewhere about like 20 to 30 calls a week. So I can't take all those calls, but I have an incredible staff uh, who are more than happy to hop on it and uh, we'll do like a strategy session and really look at like, what is a game plan that's going to get you where you want to go financially, right? From wherever you are to wherever you want to be. And we'll actually build out a, a bit of that plan on the call. And then if we can help you with that, great. We can talk about what it looks like to work together. If we can't help you, then you're hopeless. No, I'm joking. If we can't help you, uh, we will always point you in the right direction. So um, either way, it, it's a free call. You're going to get clarity and a strategy around what you need to accomplish your financial goals. If we can help you do it faster and cheaper than it would be to do on your own, great. Let's work together. If we can't, we're just going to point you in the right direction and, and make sure you get what you need. So either way, um, it's, it's a super valuable call. And we've had tons of people that we ended up not working with that said they got a ton of value out of it. Um, and you know, that's really what it's there for. So good. And your Instagram is Ryan Roy, right? Ryan Roy, R-O-I, like R -O -I. return on investment, uh, Ryan Roy tattoo. Um, and that everyone asked, that is my actual last name I was born with. Um, and I just, the stars, I guess, aligned on that one. Um, so yeah, yeah. Ryan Roy ever, tattoo. Did you ever see yourself becoming a financial coach? Is that something? No you, like, way. Never in a million years. Uh-uh. <laughs> Uh -uh. I was terrible with money. I was, I was just like, I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I can buy this shiny thing. Cause I'll probably make that money back next week. So I was like spending money that I didn't make yet, you know? And I, I was never, I was never excited about saving money that came through shifting my mindset, which is another huge part of the work that I do. So along with helping people put these systems together, we uh, have whole days uh, that are dedicated, the, the whole session is dedicated to changing your perception of money, changing your whole relationship, the conversations you're having, the thoughts you're having, and the perception and the beliefs that you have around money. And you can look at like, you know, the, the beliefs that you have or have had around money in your late teens and early 20s probably worked fine for you at that point in your life, but they certainly will not serve you in your 30s or 40s or 50s. And so just in the same way that you upgrade your computer software, right? You update your operating systems, you update your phone pretty regularly so that it can run optimally. You need to update your, your internal software around money, the way you think around money. Um, and so that's really what that conversation is about. So if you've been having conversations about money with friends or coworkers, and it's not really um, nurturing you, it's not upgrading, it's just more of the same then that's kind of the purpose of these particular calls is to have new kinds of conversations about money. And in our, we get a ton of testimonials and case studies of clients that we've worked with. That's what probably the number one thing that I hear the most from people 
They're like, the systems are great. I'm saving more money. Um, but the mindset shift left me with less stress around money and feeling more at ease because at the end of the day, uh, you know, like the famous philosopher and poet, the notorious B.I.G. said more money, more problems, right? You don't more money doesn't solve problems. You just get bigger, newer, more exciting money problems. And uh, having a, a healthier mindset around how to approach those problems is going to serve you for the rest of your life. I'm obsessed. Like, I think the work that you're doing is so important. And I worked with so many creatives who struggle in these areas. And um, I just know that like, you know, as artists and creatives, if we can be good at our craft, you know, what else can we, we be good at? You know, if we can sit for hours and like do this creative work like we can mm -hmm. apply the same kind of energy and an enthusiasm to other spaces in our lives and it's it's just knowing that <clears throat> yeah it might be a little scary at first but like that's okay and hey, the, the first time i picked up a tattoo machine it was a little bit scary you know yeah, exactly and we actually had someone say that uh, a really amazing tattooer who i i admire this guy michael j kelly uh, completed our course and he said, he's like, I feel like my whole life I've, I've poured everything into my craft, but I didn't pour anything into my relationship with money. And so, you know, the three-month course that we offer is a time to have guided, intentional pouring of your energy into your relationship with money. And, um, you know, we really plant some seeds. I, I've had people tell me that they like months after the course, they like still hear my voice in their head you know, guiding them. So we, we bury some seeds pretty deep in your psyche. And um, I'm, I'm sure that that serves you well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's plenty of other like YouTube videos that I listen to of you and podcasts. So if you guys want to like hear more of Ryan's we, we story. actually launched a podcast recently. I absolutely should plug it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. If you just search the Artful Dollar, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Um, we we're doing a weekly episode right now. So we just launched the first five and then another one launched this week. And then we got another one coming out next week, a really amazing interview with, um, an incredible tattooer that actually went bankrupt at some point and then built a huge seven figure real estate business. And, um, you know, I just love those kinds of stories. And that's really what I want to do with the artful dollar podcast is have, conversations around money with people that you normally wouldn't talk to about money, artists, creatives, you know, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a mentor who used to live as a Buddhist monk and is now a Buddhist meditation teacher come and talk about a Buddhist perspective on money. So I'm trying to shake up the money conversation. We need new, new words being talked about money, new, fresh perspectives. Um, and so that's, that's really the purpose of the, the podcast to educate, but also um, just shift your, your whole mindset around money. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode. To access the episode transcript and more info on the themes outlined in season five, go to artispodcast.com. This episode was created by me, Isata Page, and Lauren Hill from Curated Splash. With original music, by Black Wonder Twins. You can find them on all streaming platforms and on YouTube and Instagram under the same handle. Okay, that's it for now. See you next Thursday.
I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our podcast editor, AK Joel, who's actually a professional video editor and YouTuber, but also edits podcasts. If you want to contact him about editing your own videos or podcasts, you can message him directly on Instagram at akjoel.films. That's A-K-J-O-E-L dot F-I-L-M-S. You can also find his contact information in this episode's show notes.